Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Synergy Cast. I'm your host, Sonia Joffer, and on this week's episode, I'm so excited to introduce you all to Sia Natara, also known as Mama Solaris, who is a yoga teacher, a spiritual coach, a social media influencer, and a mother. And she joins me today for a conversation where we pretty much talk about all things spirituality. We talk about meditation, manifestation, shadow work, harnessing your sexual energy, getting in touch with your inner child, and how we can use spirituality to to progress social justice. I want to put a content warning out there that we do share our personal experiences in regards to depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and other mental health conditions. So if that brings up any tough or heavy feelings and emotions for you, please utilize that self-care while listening, and it's okay to take breaks too. If you want to follow Sia and check her out on social media, you can do so on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Mama Solaris. I also have her link tree in the episode notes where you can find her website as well as some of her other projects. So please go check her out and show her some love. I also want to go ahead and make a statement and acknowledge that here at Synergy Cast, we stand in solidarity with Palestinians and are against the state-sanctioned violence that they are currently experiencing due to Israeli forces and their illegal settlements on Palestinian land. So if you enjoy this episode and you enjoy listening to Synergy Cast, you know the importance that we have, that we hold here of also doing what we can to take action and uh, doing our part. Um, So please check out my link tree in the episode notes. There's links in there that I put where you can educate and inform yourself about what's happening. And there's also places that you can donate to and petitions you can sign. Also, I wanna acknowledge the COVID crisis going on in India. We do talk about yoga and chakras and a lot of other practices that originated in India in this episode. And so we cannot have this episode without also acknowledging what is going on over there with the COVID crisis. And they really, really need help right now and they really could use some donations. So I also have some links in that in my link tree where you can donate if you have the means. All right, everyone, that's it for the episode notes. I hope you all enjoy listening to the episode. This was one of my favorite episodes to record, and I hope you all enjoy listening. So welcome back to Synergy Cast, everyone. I am so excited for, to introduce you all to Sia. So thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful that we're sitting down. I think we're going to have a beautiful discussion. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Yes, of course. And just a brief introduction. I know that I found you personally through TikTok and um, I've been following you like all summer long. And like I personally find your TikToks to be super helpful, like not only with my spiritual journey, but also like you give really good tips just on like relationship advice and like just overall life advice as well. Um, So I know you are like a social media influencer, but I also know that besides that, you are a spiritual coach as well. So what else would you want to share about yourself to the listeners before we get started? So yeah, I've been spiritual coaching for about three years. It's been a practice that's been a part of my life for a very long time, and I eventually just decided to integrate it into my career path. Um, And since then, it has evolved into a lot of different things, such as community organizing, Um, I also lead meditations here in Charlotte. Um, I teach a Black community meditation, as well as an all-community meditation here in Charlotte. Um, And yeah, and right now I'm actually undergoing my 200-hour yoga teacher training. So soon that'll also be something that I'll be able to offer as well. 
That's amazing. I love that. It's like so many different avenues. Um, I, I really like that. And so also, I'm really interested in hearing how you got interested in being a spiritual coach or like what led you to down that path. Yeah, it was there was so many elements that sort of brought me to it. But at the root of it is really just um, my upbringing. You know, I was brought up by, I mean, two people who I would consider spiritual coaches as well. Um, before I was born, my dad actually did used to teach people spiritual principles. Um, he lived in a community out in Atlanta um, where, yeah, that was like, that was his role there was to teach. And he's since sort of moved into his own personal practice. But from there, like after he had me, he always taught me, you know? So it was like all of the knowledge that he had acquired over all of those years came right back to me. And then my mother is a yoga teacher and that has over the course of my entire life expanded into so many different avenues that she also teaches me. And so starting in like high school, I found myself teaching my friends. You know, I was always like the so-called therapist friend that people would go to about things that were going on in their life because I always seemed to have some kind of insight. Um, so it was something that came really naturally to me already. And I just didn't think that it could be a career. Like when I was younger, it was like, you know, you have to go to college and get a job and, you know, do something that fits in a box. Um, until eventually when I had my son, I was like, I need to find something to do that I can do from home that will also bring me fulfillment. Um, and it was just like, why don't you just do what you've always been doing? You know, it was like something, it just kind of clicked for me where it was like, you already enjoy teaching people. You're already posting things on the internet to help people. So it was like, why don't you go ahead and make that into a career path for yourself? And then that was when Mama Solaris was born. And ever since it's just grown and expanded in like every direction. Yeah, that's beautiful. Wow. I'm just like sitting with what you shared. Like, it's so beautiful to me how your parents like implemented all of that from your childhood. I think that's really amazing. And also by following you on your social media, I see like you doing similar things with your child now. Like I see you like teaching him the yoga poses and just teaching him the rituals, which we'll dive into a little bit later about what that's mm -hmm. about. But I just like, that's what I thought of when you were sharing that. I was like, wow, you're like passing that torch along to, to your literally, little one now. <laughs> literally. I was just talking to my mom about that recently too, because she started doing yoga about the time that she was pregnant with me. I think she did like prenatal classes. And then I was like about a toddler when she did her yoga teacher training. So it's like, I'm doing the same thing. It's like, you know, I'm doing yoga and I'm doing my teacher training now. And my son is a toddler. He's three years old now. So it's like, it's very much like repeating cycles, but in the best way. Um, so it's really nice to see. Exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so yeah, let's dive right into it. So the first thing that I want to talk about is meditation. So mm -hmm. what is meditation for you? And what are a few ways that you like to practice it? So meditation for me is just stillness, like in its core. Um, and stillness can really look like a lot of different things. And so, you know, when we talk about the misconceptions about meditation, it's, you know, you see a lot of misconceptions about how you have to be in stillness and your mind has to be completely clear, you know, and you're feeling all of this peace. And it's just, that's something that can come as a result of meditating. But a lot of the times when you first start implementing a meditation practice, it's actually challenging. And that's why something that seems as simple as just sitting and breathing is really difficult for most people is because it forces you to be still with what's happening inside of you. And so I encourage people to create a safe space within yourself that allows you to feel whatever you need to feel. That's like the first step. It's like, okay, sit with your feelings, sit with your feelings and just let yourself have an experience of just 
feeling into all of your senses and being in that moment. And something so simple can bring such powerful changes because you become aware of what's going on in your inner world. And then from there, once you kind of get used to doing that and being still with yourself, you can start implementing breath work practices, which can bring extremely powerful changes to your mental and physical self, um, as well as your spiritual self as well. And breath work can be really powerful in helping us to process trauma and helping us to clear out emotions and feel emotions. And that brings a whole nother element to meditation. And then from there, you can even move into things like movement meditation. Meditation isn't even always sitting still. It can also be doing things like a yoga practice. Meditation can be exercising for some people, walking for some people, dancing for some people. It's really just finding that space of stillness, which doesn't mean complete silence necessarily. It can turn into that, but most often it's just you being fully present with whatever's happening inside of you, even if it's critical thoughts or negative thoughts or uncomfortable feelings. It's just you accepting and being with that. Yeah, definitely. I really like how you mentioned that it looks different for everybody. Because like when I first started meditating, I think I was just basing it off of what I thought like a stereotypical meditation should be like. And like I experience anxiety. I've also I also have depression. So like my anxiety got the best of me. And it was kind of like counterintuitive. And it was just like this endless cycle. And then I wasn't really meditating, you know, I was just mm -hmm. like, what's going on? I was overthinking it. So mm -hmm. I noticed that I think last summer that I really like just having a sound bath on and then mm -hmm. just like laying down on my couch. And then I noticed, I also like how you said that it's just a time for you to connect with yourself because mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times, like last night, I was just really confused about what I wanted to do moving forward with like my life this semester. And I was like, I just need to get in tune with myself. And so I just like did a five minute meditation on the couch. And I just had a conversation with my higher self. And like after that five minutes, wow, like I just, I have so much more clarity on where mm -hmm. I need to go. So even if you just have like a few minutes, it can give you a whole new clarity yeah. on a situation too. Absolutely. That's a beautiful example there because there's so many different forms that meditation can take. And sometimes I do take my students through literally that exact thing, having a conversation with your higher self. I've also had them have a conversation with their shadow selves, which we'll get more into later. But there's so many different things that you can do in the space of meditation. And when you just start, you can sort of start to bring that clarity into your practice to where you can understand the difference between just your thoughts and your own personal dialogue. Exactly. Yeah. And going back to like how it looks different for everybody, I was thinking of my partner and I are very different. So like I'm somebody that can sit still and likes to sit still. My partner cannot sit still. Like when we first started seeing each other, I tried to do like meditation with him because I thought it'd be cool. But like mm -hmm. he just he was like, I can't do this. Like I can't sit still. But mm -hmm. so then we realized that there was something called walking meditation, which you mentioned, like you can do a physical. So then we realized that he really likes to walk and go on hikes. So then he does his meditation that way. So then mm -hmm. we had to like realize that, okay, it looks different for me and you, you know, and that's okay. That's what exactly what I tell people to do is find what works for you. Because sometimes, especially if you deal with a lot of anxiety and depression, those thoughts that come through when you meditate can be so intense and so distracting that sometimes it's not even as beneficial for you to sit with them because they can almost overcome you. And in that case, it's easier to find something to focus on. So something to focus on in your case may be 
walking, you know what I mean? Like hiking or doing some kind of physical activity that brings you into a meditative state, but it doesn't, you know, bring you under, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And it's definitely a work in progress. And I kind of like to think of it, how you would exercise any muscle in your body and how you would need to train any muscle in your body. I feel like mindfulness and meditation is also very similar to that. So like, Mm -hmm. I would like to encourage listeners, if you're like me and in the beginning, if you find meditation to be very frustrating and very hard, but that's okay, like what we talked about. And it just takes that, you know, repeated pattern exercising and slowly, it'll just come more naturally to you. Exactly. And it'll be it'll absolutely become easier as well. And you will start to find that space in between every thought will become longer, you know, so you will actually be able to experience even if it's only for just a few seconds, which is actually a long time, you will be able to experience that actual silence. And when you first start to kind of lean into that, then you notice that it becomes longer and longer and longer until you are able to just be with yourself and almost be in a space of silence, even in your mind as well. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. And I just think of this like one TikTok video that you have. That's like one of my favorites of yours of where you're sitting down on your bed and you're like, what meditation is actually like. And then there's that like automated um, voice going on in the background with all these little thoughts. And I was like, this is such a real TikTok. This is actually <laughs> what I experience when I'm meditating, just all these thoughts. And then you're like, mm-hmm. well, you know, pay attention, like focus. And you're constantly trying to like, real your focus in and I thought that exactly. was exactly real way yeah. to say that. And that is completely normal. Even as a meditation teacher, I still experience that. Some days it's easier to be a little bit more in silence. Other days it's just like all the thoughts that I may have been avoiding through busyness just come pouring right in as soon as I sit down. And sometimes it's just necessary to just literally let them pour in and not necessarily follow them, but just watch them. Just be like, okay, this is what's been going through my head all day. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. I really like what you mentioned. Sometimes it's okay to let those thoughts in and just like witness them. You know, just like mm-hmm. observe our thoughts from a non-judgmental standpoint. Like, let's just let's just sit back and look what happens, what I think. And just to be, I think that helps you be more self-aware too about what thought patterns you have. And, and then that can lead to more like shadow work or whatever um, work that you need to do. But yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So um, I also want to talk about the concept of ritual. Because I myself am not too familiar about that. So what is ritual and how does it relate to spirituality? So the way that I teach ritual is really as any sort of practice with intention behind it. So that can manifest as a lot of different things. Um, You know, you have some traditional practices that are passed down through lineages that are certain types of rituals. But when it comes to a day-to-day person who maybe isn't as connected to that part of themselves, something that can be considered ritual is literally it could be waking up in the morning and listening to affirmations that can be cut that can be a ritual for you if it's something that you do repetitively and with intention ritual can also be lighting incense ritual can also be creating an altar and sitting in front of your altar and you know having a sense of gratitude for that ritual can take a lot of different forms and so i try to keep the space open for people to decide what do you want your intentional practices to be And what intention do you want to put behind those practices in order to make what change? And so that really varies from person to person, depending on what you are naturally connected to or what you enjoy doing or what works for you. Exactly. Yeah. And like thinking about it from a therapeutic standpoint, because 
I'm going to going into the field of therapy. So I'm thinking about how all this connects. And like, it sounds like a ritual just gives you a basic structure. Mm -hmm. And that's what like all humans really crave at the end of the day. I feel like we're all universal in that sense, even though we all uh, share different experiences. I feel like we connect on this need and desire to have a structure. That's a human thing. Like the brain is literally biologically hardwired to to adapt to structure and to connect mm-hmm. with that. So everything in our lives can feel so out of control sometimes. And mm-hmm. especially with the way the world is now, it's like anything but structure, it feels like. But then to have that structure for yourself, a ritual for yourself, mm-hmm. I feel like could give you that sense of control back a little bit. Absolutely. And just like having a schedule can give you like a physical and mental structure, having ritual gives you more spiritual structure. So ritual is a space of coming back to yourself and really checking in with your spirit. You can do this through meditation and you can also do this through ritual. It's like that self-care for your spirit. So you can check in with where you are spiritually. And so it's a really good way to bring yourself back to center every day. You can have, you know, if you have a nighttime ritual practice, if you've had a really rough day, you always have that space to come back to and say, you know what, I'm going to do my ritual and it's going to help me cleanse off the energies that I picked up throughout the day, or it's going to just make me feel more at peace or make me feel safer. You know, there's many different things that you can create with ritual, but it does bring you a lot of, it gives you spiritual hygiene, really. Exactly. Yeah. And again, Mm -hmm. like it's not, So like, this is the right way to do it. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what I really like about spirituality is that there's no confinement. I'm not, I'm not the type of person that likes to be told like, this is how you pray. This is how you got to do it. You know, I like Mm to have room to adapt that to what I, what that looks like for me. So I feel like Mm -hmm. with spirituality, there's more room for, you know, if you want to do things differently. So not to say one is um, worse than the other, but that's just what spoke to me as my individual Mm -hmm. person. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of room for deciding what works for you. Um, You know, there, a lot of spiritual practices are based off of traditional practices. And so there is a lot of wisdom to be gained from the structure of those and the way that they're meant to be passed down. Then there's also a lot of room for expansion because consciousness is expanding. And so naturally we're going to find new ways to adapt spiritually as well. Exactly. Yeah. And you make a good point. Like a lot of uh, religious traditions, they are rooted in that structure too, and they are to provide a structure to people. So now that I'm more learning more about like spirituality and religion, I'm seeing how intentional these practices are and like why they're there in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. So something I also want to talk about is shadow work. And I'm Mm -hmm. also a very beginner at like learning about shadow work and I've just now started to dip into it with my therapist because she like brought it up to me like a few months ago she was like I've been seeing you for two and a half years now it's time for us to dive into some shadow work (laughs) and I was like oh my god like what is this you know so um when I first hear the question what is shadow work I first think it's scary like it can be sometimes but maybe it's not as scary as I'm making it out to be. So I'd like to hear from you. How would you describe shadow work? I would describe it, I would less lean on the word scary and more on the word uncomfortable Mm. because it absolutely can be uncomfortable. And sometimes that discomfort can lead to feelings of fear, 
which would be rooted in your shadow. But essentially shadow work is diving into the hidden parts of yourself. And that can include a lot of different things. And it's not even just your negative traits, um, but it does include things like your toxic patterns and your limiting beliefs. But on the other hand, it can also include things like your deepest desires and your intuitive gifts that you've sort of hidden because maybe you felt like you weren't good enough or you felt like you can't, you don't deserve certain things. Um, and so you put those things into the shadow as well. And so shadow work is the process of literally shining a light on that and bringing all of that stuff to the surface and actually beginning to integrate it. Um, so it's not necessarily about banishing the shadow or not having a shadow side because we all do. It's about bringing the shadow up to where you are and literally just walking hand in hand with it and having it fully integrated into your being so that it can still be a part of you, but it doesn't control you anymore. Exactly. Yeah. I like how you said to accept and embrace the shadow because mm -hmm. I feel like something I currently am struggling with is I can be a very self-critical person so yeah. and that's a part of my shadow like the self-critic and so then I become critical when my shadow comes out and then mm -hmm. I put myself down for thinking that thought or acting that way when in reality like my therapist tells me like embrace the shadow because maybe the reason why that shadow is there in the first place is because it was cast aside and because it was criticized maybe in your childhood by someone else. And that's why it's a part of the shadow now. So in order to like fully integrate that, don't do that, you know, like embrace it instead. Don't just cast it aside, hear it out and, and listen to it with love. Exactly. What I like to tell people is that, and it helps people meet their shadow with more love, is that your shadow is your protector. That's how it was birthed. You know, like when you were first born, you have a shadow self that begins to develop to protect you in situations that you may have felt threatened in. Um, so for an, ex an example would be if you maybe had parents that argued a lot, in order for you to feel safer, you may have run away from that. So maybe your parents are arguing in one room. So you say, you know what, I'm going to go in my room and I'm going to shut the door and I'm going to hide so I can feel safer and not have to hear that and not have to experience that. And so at that point in time, that behavior was necessary because it did make you feel safer as a child and, and helped you get through, you know, certain hardships that you experienced. But what happens is we begin to bring those same behaviors into us, into adult, with us into adulthood, at which point they aren't serving us anymore. So if you had that sort of pattern when you were a child, when you were an adult, maybe you find yourself in a situation that's uncomfortable and you have that same mechanism of I'm going to go run and hide and I'm not going to face this. And while that may have served you at one point, it no longer serves you anymore. So it becomes something that can be, become a toxic pattern for you that keeps you from actually facing yourself or facing your problems, right? And that's just one of many examples of things that we develop in childhood and then we bring th with us throughout um, adulthood. And so shadow work is the process of taking a look at those and seeing where did that stem from? And why did I feel the need to do that at the time? And feeling love for that and thanking your shadow. You know what, thank you for, for protecting me and making me feel good and safe at that time and giving it love and thanking it for even trying to protect you now and saying, you know what, I don't need that behavior anymore. So I'm gonna go ahead and start to move into the other direction and adopt a behavior that's more helpful to me at this stage of my life. Exactly, yeah, I like how you put that. And um, what tips do you have for listeners who want to dive into that? Um, I know you mentioned a few things to keep in mind, but if you have any tips or ways that listeners can start to do that, I know you also have a, an online course on that as well. Yes. So if you want to talk about that too. 
Yes, absolutely. So I do uh, have an online course that is, you know, the full process of shadow work, every single step that you need to take to dive into shadow work. But one of the first steps is really looking at um, the behaviors that you used to exhibit as a child in difficult situations, really looking at those and seeing how they translated into your adult life. And we have different coping mechanisms for different, um, for different things. So what you can do is you can assess when you're in a situation that's triggering, assess, but without judgment, without that, oh, I'm a terrible person for doing this, you know, try to negate that voice and just be like, okay, I was in this triggering situation and this was the behavior that resulted from it. And just kind of taking a look at that correlation and noticing what pattern is there, because a lot of the times we have a pattern, whether that be avoidance or um, projection, it oftentimes falls into a certain category. So take a look at what your natural coping mechanisms are and ask yourself, are those helpful to me right now? Is that behavior in response to a trigger actually serving me or is it just giving me um, temporary relief? You know, so it's that honesty with yourself and really getting into that can it can help to have a journal practice because then you can kind of keep track of things, um, keep track of your behaviors, keep track of your triggers. And you can go back and read those things without forgetting about them and start to notice the patterns that you have. So you can start to decide what behavior you want to replace that with so that you can better do better in your life. Exactly. Yeah. It just sounds like basic emotional self-awareness, which I feel like we all need and that should be implemented more in public education. Schools should be teaching that to us at a very young age, how to be emotionally aware, how to respond to somebody when there's a conflict. All Mm -hmm. of these things I feel like are basic life skills that um, we're not taught. And so now as adults, we're kind of like, I feel like I'm kind of like scrambling to figure all this out now. And I'm very grateful for the resources that I do have, but mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking in the f- for the future too, it would be great if we implemented all of this like emotional awareness and all of this stuff in our schools yeah. and kids had like a meditation time or something or yes. like a, like they have a nap time and a snack time. Like if they had mm-hmm. like a meditation time or something, I think it that would be awesome. It would make such a big difference, such a big difference in schools. Um, if we had meditation and learning about our emotions and how it's okay to feel emotions, but unfortunately, you know, that's just not even a, remotely a part of the structure. Um, and so that's why it is important for those of us that are parents to do the work for ourselves first and then share it with our child that's the best way that your child is going to learn. It's not going to be by you saying, this is how you should do it. And this is how you should feel. It's by you learning how to regulate your own emotions and deal with your own conflicts and be in your own imperfections. And then your child will observe that. They'll see that and they'll start to reflect those same behaviors. They tend to do whatever they're shown, not what they're told. So if you show them the process of shadow work and what that looks like for you, or even if you meditate in their presence, you know, like literally being in the same room as them, a lot of the times they'll start to pick up on that. And even if they don't show interest in it immediately, they'll start to kind of fall into the same things. Definitely. Yeah. Like I don't have, I'm not a parent myself, but um, I've worked a lot with children and also just learning about, you know, like psychological development of children. Um, I just like the, one of the main things we learn is what you just mentioned. Children are literally like walking mirrors. Another um, metaphor or symbol is like a sponge, you know, that's like a common one people use. They literally just soak up everything around them. So I like how you mentioned that a lot of times the best thing a parent or an adult can do is just regulate yourself and just Mm -hmm. model that yourself. 
And that could be so powerful in and of itself. I really like how, how you mentioned that. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that, and it's not, you know, to touch on that too, it's like, it's not even about being perfect or never having emotions. It's actually quite the opposite. It's, it's actually showing your child that you feel things, you know, and showing them how you deal with those feelings. So an example in my life would be, you know, my, my toddler is three, my son is three. And, you know, he's in that power age where he's pushing my buttons, pushing my boundaries constantly, like constantly throughout the day. And it does make me angry. And so it's like, he'll kind of notice that I'm starting to get upset. And so I have a a way of sometimes I'll step outside the room, I'll take some deep breaths, you know, and then I'll come back or I'll show him that I'm taking deep breaths, right? And so he sees me feel that emotion, be with it, deal with it, and then reapproach him. So that's a way that we can show, you know, that it's okay to feel um, and that there are ways to handle your emotions that are healthy. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. I think that's amazing. That definitely is very powerful for sure um, with Mm -hmm. kids learning how to regulate their own emotions too. So yeah, thank you for speaking on that. Definitely. Of course. Yeah. Um, And I know also that you talk a lot about navigating relationships and I know that overlaps Mm -hmm. with spirituality a lot. There's like so much information out there. Probably not all of it is true. I don't know what is true, what is not on like different spiritual types of relationships and romantic relationships and platonic as well. Yeah. What is your biggest advice on navigating all of that? It's really, okay. So this is a big one for somebody who is just getting into spiritual practice or is deep into their spiritual practice. The best thing that you can do in all of your relationships is just be an example. Um, You know, I do see a lot of the times people will take on their spiritual practices, they'll get into this groove where they're just feeling super tuned in, and then they expect all of their partners to meet them right at that level. And not even just partners, friends, family, whomever, whoever you have some kind of relation with, they expect people to meet them at that exact same level. And there's almost a pushback where it's like, oh, but if you're not doing this, this is what you should be doing. This is going to help you. This is going to, you know, and while it may help them, A lot of the times what's best is that you just live by example and whatever that person is naturally supposed to be resonant with, they'll start to pick up on and they'll start to notice, oh, that's cool. And they'll start to inquire. And that's when you start to put the knowledge on them. It's like when they start to ask those questions because then they're open and receptive to the information. And naturally, if you have a balanced energetic field, that does tend to rub off on people as well. So even if there's no dialogue happening there, you'll tend to find that as well. Um, Cause most often, you know, it's like, we wanna have somebody who's just as spiritually in tune as we are. But a lot of the times people are just living their lives. And also some people are naturally more grounded and and sort of work better in those realms, in the realm of like the physical. And that's a completely valid path as well. Not everybody has to be spiritual to be happy. Um, And so it's just finding that love for everybody and what their path is and just being you, literally just being you. Yeah, that's very common. I feel like, um, especially I've, I've definitely been guilty of that too, is trying to push some things onto my partner, which I'm learning mm-hmm. how to navigate myself. But yeah, I think that's really real. You mentioned like, just sit with yourself, focus on yourself. I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing to not expect your partner to fulfill everything that you're looking for. And exactly. I think also like there was a TikTok that you made. I'm all, I'm like mentioning all these TikToks. You made. <laughs> I love um, it. <laughs> but like there was one that you made on relationships, I think a few months ago. And it was like, are you willing to give 
to yourself what you want your partner to fulfill. And that one really changed my thinking. Like I sat, I had to sit with myself after watching that. I was like, I feel called out. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I needed to hear that for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, and all of the things that I talk about and make videos on, they're all things that I either once struggled with or am just getting to just grappling with, you know, so it'll come to me. I'll have that like aha moment and me being a teacher. I'm like, oh my God, I have to share this. Right. (laughs) And then I'll share it. And not because I've perfected it or perfected my relationships. It's because it's something that I feel like it's like a connection that I made that I want to share with other people. And, um, you know, even to bring like my relationship into example as well, you know, I did used to have the pattern of being a spiritual coach. I would like, you know, start dating people and be like, oh, you should be doing this and do this practice and this practice and this practice and this practice because I was so excited. And it wasn't until um, I met my current partner that I realized that it is better to just be in your own space because he's actually, he's a very like grounded, action oriented, very masculine person. And I realized that we balance each other out beautifully. You know, it's like, I'm the super spiritual, like, you know, esoteric, like fairy type of person, just like flying around doing my thing. And he's the grounded action oriented one. And the way that he lives his life, he's very emotionally in tune and very aware of himself. And he doesn't necessarily need to be doing a lot of spiritual practices to to implement that. And so he taught me that, you know, that there are some people that live in that space and are just as tapped in. They just tap in differently. And so we kind of have this beautiful balance going on there as well. Yeah, Yeah. that's amazing. I like how you spoke on the balance. I think that's, I think that's really interesting. And like, um, how certain people can just like be our opposites in some ways, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, balance you out in those perfect ways. So I like how you spoke on that. And also I know that on your page, you mentioned there was a, it was a, I'm going to mention another TikTok video um, (laughs) made on like sexual, like sexuality and sexual Mm -hmm. energy. That one really shifted my thinking too, because I think a lot of people can relate to this Uh, for a long time. I like was very critical about my sexual energy because I was like, oh, it's like, you know, it's bad or like, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a sin or something. So um, and I like how you mentioned is like to embrace that. And then Mm -hmm. that's a part of your spiritual journey as well. Absolutely. It absolutely is. Um, Sexual energy is very powerful, like extremely powerful Um, in the study of chakras. The second chakra, which rules your uh, uh, sexual energy, is said to be one of the most powerful chakras, especially for manifesting. And so it makes sense that sexuality is so repressed in our society because it is a center of a lot of power. You have a lot of power to create not only life, but also your life and create things in your life um, through your sexual energy. Um, because it's creation, at least the energy of creation. And so a lot of people deal with the suppression of that and therefore deal with the suppression of their own power. And so it's a really deep process to take away that shame, you know, because it's something that has been passed down for generations and generations and generations. It's something that's perpetuated to us in the media. We see it all the time that there is, there has to be shame around your sexuality. And so breaking out of that is a process and it takes a lot of time. So it's important to have give yourself grace in the process of doing that because it's very deep rooted, you know, but once you do start to tap into your sexual and sensual energy more, you'll find every area of your life changing, not just your sex life. Exactly. Yeah. And I personally did not know this, that having sex or engaging in sex can like help with manifestation. 
Like, mm-hmm. I never knew that. So if you want to like speak more about that too, I'd be, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. So sexual energy is literally creative energy. It's literally the force that brings us onto this planet. A spirit comes into a body through sexual energy. Um, and so it is the most powerful creative energy that we have. And so if it's so powerful that I can literally create life, then it has to be powerful enough to create material things in your life and also relationships in your life and all types of things in your own life. And so when you learn how to harness that creative energy outside of creating life, you can make a lot of really powerful shifts in your life. And um, orgasm is a really powerful way to manifest as well. And so a lot of the times, whatever you tend to be focused on in the space of orgasm can begin to manifest in your life, especially if there's two people orgasming and focusing on one thing. It is extremely powerful and potent energy and people don't realize what they may be manifesting unintentionally with that energy. So it is important to bring some intention into your sexual practice. Um, Not necessarily saying that it has to be transcendent spiritual tantric sex every single time, but just being, you know, conscious of the emotions that you're generating and the space that you're in when you are um, having sex because the sacral chakra also rules fluids and fluid includes tears so you know if you're feeling that space in that space of crying um, during or after sex it's important honestly that you allow yourself to do so even if it feels even negative even if it feels like oh i'm overwhelmed you know and i feel like i need to cry let yourself cry, you know? Um, It's a really important thing to allow yourself to do because it's your body literally releasing something. And so it's best to let that happen rather than bottling it up once again. Definitely, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, thank you for speaking on that. That was was very interesting. That was like a learning moment for me (laughs) as well, so. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for sharing your insight on that. Um, Of course. I also wanna dive into, you know, I'm always gonna encourage you to talk about mental health. So um, I wanna talk about that a little bit too. So I know that with spirituality in specific, since that's what we're talking about today, um, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot about this concept of spiritual bypassing. Mm-hmm. So um, what is that? How would you describe that? And how do you think that impacts mental health? So spiritual bypassing is really, um, I like to say it's a form of gaslighting yourself. It's a form of denying your own reality. And you see that a lot, especially in the realm of the law of attraction and spirituality, where you know they'll say if you think negative thoughts then those negative thoughts will become real they will literally manifest right in front of you Um, and that can be very damaging for people who deal with things like depression and anxiety because when you have depression and anxiety a good portion of your thoughts are negative a, a very good portion and so that only adds to the anxiety because then you have this idea that oh my god i'm thinking all these negative thoughts about myself so i'm gonna fail you know you have that sort of anxious voice coming in your head. And now you think everything that your anxious voice says is true and will become true. And that can be very damaging for a lot of people. And then speaking also on depression as well, you know, it's really important that we don't try to push depression to the side. As somebody who deals with um, depression and bipolar as well, it was a really important part of my practice for me to be completely honest with myself about my experience with depression rather than putting myself down for experiencing it. And, you know, we tend to put people down who are in a space of sadness and say, you know, don't think negative thoughts and you can't be in this negative space and you can't feel negative emotions. And that simply just adds to the, it really just fuels the fire that depression brings. Um, And so I found 
found what was really powerful for me and bringing myself out of the depression was allowing myself to see it for what it really was rather than running away from it and telling myself that I have to be happy in order to be spiritual. It was me telling myself that I am a human. I am a human, you know, and I'm going to feel literally everything that there is on the spectrum. And it wasn't until I sat in a space of love and acceptance for the depression that I was experiencing that I was able to make some actual shifts in myself. Yeah, definitely. It kind of like goes hand in hand with toxic positivity too, where it's like that, you know, like we've all known that one super mm-hmm. positive person that's always like, you know, whenever mm-hmm. you're sad, they're just always just trying to cheer you up. And like, mm-hmm. I'm the type of person where like, if you're just really trying to cheer me up and I'm just sad, like I will literally, like I've told people like, mm-hmm. stop, like, let me be yeah. sad. Like either yeah. sit in my sadness with me, or if you can't do that, then just please mm-hmm. go away and let me do it by myself. Cause mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, just, um, I feel like that goes very hand in hand with what you mm-hmm. mentioned too. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a saying um, that I use sometimes where it's sometimes you have to feel it to heal it. And so sometimes as you use the, the term toxic positivity, sometimes going from being in a negative space to trying to force yourself into a positive space, all it does is repress what you are feeling. So you may have that initial potential relief but it's really just gonna come back up. And a lot of the times it comes back up even stronger. And so sometimes it is necessary to literally just be with what you're feeling. Um, And a practice that I do give in my course is to set a limit for yourself as far as how far you'll let yourself go. Um, Because when you are in a state of depression, you can plummet and spiral really quickly. And so I will let myself be with and sit with uh, the depression for a certain amount of time until I reach a certain limit. And then I'll start to implement practices that actually help to shift my state of being into something a little bit lighter so that I can start to create some movement. Um, But in some cases, it is necessary for you to just listen to that voice, you know, listen to that voice. What is this voice of depression or what is this voice of anxiety actually telling me right now? And how much of it am I believing, you know, Um, because you can still have that voice in your head and choose to allow it to be there without believing everything that it tells you. Exactly. Yeah. And that goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of this conversation of being the observer and witness of our thoughts instead of, Mm -hmm. you know, being super judgmental and thinking that, oh, I had this thought, so this must be me, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, I was just connecting it back to what we were talking about earlier. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just, you know, just to put it out there, just because you have a thought does not mean it's going to manifest into reality. There are so many different things that go into bringing something forth into the third dimension, you know, thoughts being a very small portion of that. You know, your thoughts do have power and they do shift your field energetically, but there's so many other aspects such as your emotions, such as action, the action that you're actually taking is a really important part of that too. There's so many different things that lead to something actually coming forth in your life. And it's really important that if something happens to you um, that is negative, that you not blame yourself for that experience. I really needed to hear that. (laughs) So thank you. (laughs) Because, yeah, like I mentioned, like um, I do have anxiety and depression myself. Mm -hmm. And I think I first was introduced to the law of attraction when I was like 14. And it was through Mm -hmm. the secret, which I feel like is like, the mainstream, you know, typical law of mm-hmm. attraction thing. Um, and so I really was drawn to it. And it actually did like when I was practicing it, it did like I did see some results. But mm-hmm. then my anxiety just kicked yeah. in. And then I started just overthinking like, oh, I just had this thought, 
does, does that mean that that's going to happen now? Mm-hmm. And so I had, I found myself having to just like take a step away from it. So for like a few years, I just didn't even deal with law, law of attraction manifestation because yep. it was just too much with my anxiety. Um, and then recently, like in my early twenties, like if, within the past few years, I started getting back into it and I started actually learning more about spiritual bypassing and everything that we're discussing and like mm-hmm. what actually goes into manifestation. Like you mentioned, like the, the thinking and then the, the feeling and mm-hmm. then the belief and then the action that you take. Exactly. So there's like so much at work there. So now I'm starting to like, it's still, it's still kind of a battle for me sometimes, but mm-hmm. it's a lot better. I feel like I'm approaching it a lot better than I was when I was younger. Absolutely. And that that is a perfect example of what I see a lot is um, people going from one extreme to the other, Um, because when you're given things such as the secret, which is it's a tool that can be used um, in tandem with other things. It brings you all the way to like the so-called light side of, you know, these sort of practices. And you do see, you know, people will start to implement those things and they will see some results. They'll be like, oh, wait, okay, this is actually working, working, but they have no awareness of what else is going into making this, this thing work. And then you do run into that period of like, oh, here comes the anxiety. Here comes like, oh my gosh, everything is my fault. I like everything that I create. It's because I was thinking these thoughts, you know, and then what happens is people have fun with it for a little bit and then it becomes so anxiety inducing that they go to the other end of the spectrum and drop it all together. When the law of attraction is a useful tool, but it's important to know that the law of attraction is one of 12 universal laws. So there's so many other things that go into what you create. Um, And so it's about integrating all sides of the spectrum. And that's one very small part of it. And so that's why I do what I do is so that I can give people all of the pieces of the puzzle so that you're not going so quickly from one extreme to the other and then dropping spirituality altogether because it does become something that can be toxic if not used properly. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, yeah. And also, I know that we've been talking about this throughout our conversation, but if you have any other tips on how to quote unquote heal our inner child, I know we mentioned shadow mm-hmm. work was definitely a way that you could do that. Also, maybe through meditation, because mm-hmm. um, the inner child definitely comes out with mental health a lot. And a lot of the problems that we face with our mental health come from inner wounds that we haven't really tended to from our childhood. So what are some tips you have on healing the inner child? So some action steps that you can take when it comes to healing the inner child are going to be centered around things that you needed as a child and actually giving yourself those things. And that can be a very wide range of experiences. Sometimes what you need is to just be a child. Um, You know, I found a lot of healing with my inner child by just doing things that Um, I would have found fun when I was a child that maybe I didn't get to do. Um, In my own experience, I mostly do a lot of healing my inner adolescent because I had um, I had my son at 16. So my teenhood was very much cut off from that point forward. And so I found it really healing for me to do things that I would have liked to do, you know, at 16, 17, if I hadn't had a child at that age. And so the same thing goes for whatever areas of life that you feel like you missed out on. Let yourself have those experiences again within reason, of course. Um, but do things that bring that childlike spirit out of you, like things that you probably will have a lot of, um, resistance to as well, because you'll be like, oh, that's childish. And like, you'll feel like you're allowing yourself to be too happy or like you're allowing yourself to laugh too much. You know, you'll have that, that voice inside of your head. That's like, um, why are you doing this? Like grow up, you know what I mean? But sometimes that's what you need. Sometimes you need to run and frolic and play and, 
literally play, <laughs> you know, yeah. and even as an adult and something like that can be so healing and bringing your inner child forth. And then from that point forward, starting a dialogue with your inner child, just like we said at the beginning um, of this podcast was like having that dialogue with your higher self, having the dialogue with your shadow self. You can do the same thing with your inner child. Um, you can go into a meditation and literally see yourself as a child, picture yourself exactly as you looked then, what you were wearing, what you looked like, how you were standing, how you used to speak, how you used to move, literally see yourself right in front of yourself, start talking to that child, telling them whatever you feel like they needed to hear at that age, and then let them talk back because they actually will. Um, and that I've seen a really powerful shifts, even after one meditation doing that with a lot of people, um, it will bring up emotion. So be ready to begin the, the process of processing some old things. Um, but it is a really powerful practice if you feel ready. Yeah, I really like that you mentioned that it's actually really funny that you talked about that because just a few days ago, I was meditating and I envisioned my younger self and my current self right now and then I saw like my younger self and then my present adult self walked up to it and then just picked it up and mm -hmm. like picked myself up and then mm -hmm. like hugged it and carried it and they were just like hugging and the feeling that I had in my body and like in my heart was probably the most peace I have ever mm -hmm. felt in my life wow. like there are no words that can describe the peaceful feeling that I was feeling. And like, I woke up from that meditation and I was like, wow, like, mm -hmm. I don't know what just happened, but that felt like the type of peace that I've been chasing my whole life. I just got that within this like 10 minute meditation. Yeah. So I really yeah. think it's great that you just brought that up. That's so powerful. And yeah, definitely, if you can bring some physical interactions into um, your inner child work as well, I do, you know, if you feel the calling, I do encourage people to go hug, you know, your inner child, because sometimes they lacked physical touch. And so you can touch yourself, you know, as a child in the spiritual realm, you know, and you can hug them, you can love them, you know, give them whatever they needed at that time. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, also, I also like how you mentioned, like, some different ways that you can interact with your inner child or like let it out is like just go play you know like for me I love to dance so like mm -hmm. sometimes I'll just like blast music and then just dance like by myself and like in the beginning like I thought it was really weird like I was like why am I doing this like this is so weird yeah. but um or like sometimes I'll do like just like a happy dance because I'll get <laughs> excited about something like yeah. my favorite food or something and like my brother will be like what was that like <laughs> why did you just do that like mm -hmm. a little child would just be like that <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I like how you said to like normalize that yeah, let yourself be playful. That's like a huge thing that we as adults tend not to do is like we don't let ourselves be playful and have fun, you know, yeah. um, or we only let ourselves have fun in the realm of what may be considered adulting, you know, like going out and getting drinks. Maybe that's not what you want to do. Maybe you do want to like turn on your favorite song and like dance in a t-shirt, you know, and just like be silly, you know, that can be a very healing practice for you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I do also want to talk about social justice because I do like to talk about that a lot on the podcast and see how everything that we're speaking on also interacts with social justice as well. Mm -hmm. So how do spiritual practice practices and social justice intersect and how can we use spirituality to fight systemic oppression and racial injustice? Because that's a very mm -hmm. big reality in our world right now. 
Absolutely. So systemic oppression leads to, you know, suppression in the spirit. And so what I see spiritual work as is sort of the back end work. You know, it's the work that you do behind the scenes that prepares you for the work that needs to be done on the front end um, through activism. And so I like to create spaces where people can feel safe to, especially people, people of color can feel safe to process what they need to feel um, because there's not a lot of safe spaces like that. And then learning how to also create that safe space within yourself because currently, you know, not only are we being re-traumatized, but at the same time, we're also processing a lot of old trauma that's tending to come up, you know? And so spiritual practice helps us with processing that ancestral and generational trauma that we brought with us so that we can sort of tap into our own power and begin to actually make some changes, um, some actionable changes as well. And so spiritual work is a really important part of making people feel um, safe and centered and grounded in themselves so that when things are happening all around us constantly, we can really take a look at them from a more centered space um, and act from a more centered space as well when action is necessary. Exactly. Yeah, I like mm -hmm. how you mentioned that it's like that inner work that you do to then that then leads to that outer work that translates mm -hmm. outward. And exactly. I really like that you mentioned that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think definitely yep. that's very real. Yeah, and and that um, point that we made of allowing yourself to feel is also a really important part of it as well. Um, it's important that when you do bring spiritual work into activism, that it's not expecting people to be peaceful or expecting people to approach things from a peaceful space. It's also just allowing yourself to be angry. You know, um, the nights that, you know, the Capitol raid had happened, I held a meditation, um, a black community meditation. And I made sure that people knew that this is a space where you are safe and it's just us and you can you don't have to put on a mask or act like everything is okay. And you can just feel whatever you need to feel right now, whether that's anger or sadness or fear, this is the safe space where you can come and allow yourself to be in that and not be judged for it. Um, and where we can also have open discussion and talk about whatever needs to be felt. And that is a part of doing the work as well. Yeah, I love that. I love that you create space for that, to for people of color to feel their emotions. Cause mm -hmm. like you said, like majority of spaces um, especially like I feel like a lot of white dominated spiritual places too mm -hmm. spaces are not really built for by POC um, so that's why I feel like a lot of people of color might not feel comfortable in those spaces so it exactly. makes me like feel very hopeful that there are like spiritual coaches like you out there that are creating mm -hmm. space for that and I think that's beautiful and amazing Absolutely. It's something that I really see myself expanding on um, over the next year as well. Um, my mom does a lot of work in the BIPOC community and the training that I'm doing, the yoga teacher training that I'm doing is actually a BIPOC um, yoga teacher training. So it's very centered around um, social justice. And so I'm going to be learning a lot about how to bring spiritual practice and bring yoga into social justice as a tool and a resource for people to use. And I think that that is becoming more normalized. And I'm really excited to see the expansion that happens um, um, in the world of spirituality as a result of that. Definitely. Yeah. And like, mm -hmm. I also just remembered something that you spoke on multi-generational trauma and that mm -hmm. like, that shit is real. Mm -hmm. like, that Absolutely. is real. And Absolutely. I was like, like there's, there's literally like, they've shown like science, like scientific studies that have shown like we carry I think I was listening to a podcast or reading something that we carry trauma from ancestors that were 17 generations before us. Yep. So if you just like take a second 
to like soak that in and think about that. Yeah. That is a lot. That is a lot yeah. of trauma that we are carrying and mm-hmm. we carry that in our bodies and in our spirits mm-hmm. and, you know, so it's even, it makes it even more important, I think, to do this work, not only for ourselves, mm-hmm. so then we can help others, but also to honor, I like to think about it as honoring my ancestors that never got that opportunity because unfortunately like I wish it wasn't a privilege but I feel like me being able to engage in my spirituality is a privilege because it absolutely is my my ancestors didn't get to do that my parents even like they're immigrants so like they're always in survival mode you know so Mm -hmm. I feel like being a first generation it's a privilege for me to even take care of my mental health and my spiritual health so I do that to honor myself and and also to honor my ancestors I couldn't do that Exactly. And generations before us, not only did they have the space, they didn't have the space and freedom to practice things, but they also didn't have access to any type of information, you know, the way that we do now. Um, So it absolutely is a privilege to even be able to learn about spiritual practice and be able to learn about the lineages, you know, that brought spiritual practice to us. Um, Having access to this information is very new. Um, And so that's why it's important to understand when you do have those difficult emotions come up and you do see something that's triggering for you, that it's not just that one instance that triggered you, it's its literally, as you said, 17 generations of pain coming right to the surface. And so that's why this work is so important is because it does give you the tools to be able to process something so heavy. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I just want to thank you again. I think this conversation was like an amazing one. I feel like we touched on so many different important things. And I want to thank you again for all your insight today. Also, I want to give you space for any last thoughts you have that you want to leave with the listeners before we wrap up. Mm, I think that that was honestly a wonderful, like beautifully rounded conversation. Um, Just know that you are more than welcome to um, reach out to me. I do have resources for information. Um, If you happen to live in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, I would love to see some some more beautiful faces in my meditation. Um, So if you wanted to follow me at Mama Solaris, that would be wonderful. And you can kind of find out about the different things that I'll be offering over the year um, to help everybody. Yeah, definitely. The next question I was going to ask you is where can people find you best? Um, so you kind of answered that you, you have yeah. your Instagram and um, mm-hmm. your TikTok and also your website as well. Yes. And yes. I'll put, yeah. Yes. So yeah, I'll put all that in episode notes. So everyone go show CS some love, go follow her. And if you have the means, take her course. Um, but yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Um, again, I'm just really grateful that like we were having this conversation today. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was super incredible and I'm really excited. (laughs) Yeah, me too. As always, I thank you for listening and staying tuned. If you like this episode, feel free to share it with the people in your life. I would also really appreciate if you would subscribe to Synergy Cast on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Give it a five-star rating and leave a good review mentioning what you like about the podcast. You can also follow the Instagram for updates, at SynergyCast, and I have also included that in the episode notes. I have now a new feature, which is a voice memo feature, which I am very excited about. So if you would like to send in your thoughts and your feelings or your personal experiences, feel free to record a voice memo and send it my way. 
I would love to include your voice in the next podcast episodes. Lastly, if you are willing and able, there is another new feature where you can donate however much money you want to help support SynergyCast financially. If you do choose to donate, the money would help me pay for several things. It would help me pay for myself, my own energies, my own efforts, and also the money would help pay my future guests especially people of color, for their time, since I believe it is very important to compensate people of color, especially for their time and energy, since many BIPOC, which stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, have a history of being taken advantage of and underpaid or not paid at all for their efforts. So any and all ways you choose to support would be very much appreciated. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes coming your way soon. Stay safe, everyone, and take care.